Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, you guys, welcome to the midweek edition of the Temple of Hoop podcast. We are live on Green Room, uh, trying to come to you guys once a week. Kings, we just watched the Boston and the Warriors game. Kind of got the air taken out of it because of Steph Curry's injury. But um, any initial takeaways before we get deeper into it? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I thought that, um, you know, the Boston defense is for real. It's legit. Um, definitely something that is going to be a problem to deal with in the playoffs and uh, teams going to have to be prepared for, for sure. Yeah, before let's get it out the way. Do you think the Marcus Smart play on Curry was dirty, or do you think he was just playing hard? I know he's got a history, but you know, Curry, the Bay, the Warrior fans were ready to put his head on a stick. <laughs> so, do you think it was a dirty play or fair or foul? Honestly, if I when I first looked at it, I thought it was. Um, I actually thought it was a, a, a play on the ball, but then Sunny, Sunny, and other people brought up a good point. Those kind of one of those things, I guess. Know how you have unwritten rules in baseball? I think for uh, hoop, it was just kind of unwritten rule type of thing where it's a dangerous play. The guy's legs is right next to the ball, so it's kind of like I understand why people are frustrated. But Marcus Smart, he was just going for the ball. He wasn't trying to do nothing, you know, egregious. Yeah, that's what uh, that's that's the same thing I took. I, th- I thought the clay foul was dirty though. He just did a full on karate kick. That was <laughs> that was wild. We got our first speaker who wants to come up. Hey, Cole, talk to us. Questions, something you want to talk about, talk to us. So it's interesting uh, watching the Celtics defense. It's like really it's impenetrable unless you have like one of those offensive guys who, who's just too strong or too tall or too quick or like shoots too well. If you don't have one of those guys, then it's like you, you stand absolutely no chance. And that's just been interesting to watch. Like, like Embiid, Giannis, they're those type of guys. Um, but even like like a lower level shot maker, like I don't like I don't want to disrespect guys like DeRozan or Levine, but they don't really move me versus this Celtics defense. Like you really need a special guy. Curry could have been that guy tonight, except he got hurt. Um, but you really need that type of dude, like uh, like the guys I mentioned, if uh, if you're gonna beat this team. That's why I don't like the Bulls or the Heat chance uh chances against the Celtics. Um but yeah, Brooklyn does scare me. Milwaukee scares me. And um Sixers, they're kind of fraudulent, but Embiid's a monster. So <laughs> yeah, that's just my thought. So and, and uh the way the standings are playing out, it's Boston would get uh Bulls round one, uh the Heat round two. So that'd be pretty ideal. But you know, I don't want to get too confident or anything. But yeah, the defense is legit. Yeah, that was the thing for me. I, when I look at the West, I don't look at the seating. I look at the matchups because that's all what it's going to come down to. I think the, the first six teams are all going to be pretty good. And even 
Toronto and the Nets won't be pushovers. That's who I think will end up coming out of the play-in situation. Because I tweeted early, I had tweeted earlier that I felt like Jordan Poole had to be big in this game because the Celtics defense was so good. So you need a player that's going to be able to score in a rock fight. And I think Poole's the closest thing the Warriors have to that outside of Curry. But you're right. Once Curry went down, it was pretty much all bad for that happening, like for it to become a game because that was, you know, he's their guy and it's two good teams. You lose Curry, Celtics favored. Yeah, you're 100% correct. The Celtics defense is for real. Best defense in the league, in my opinion. Yes. Tatum and Brown playing like this, they're going to be a very tough out. So, yeah, I'm with you. For sure, man. All right, good looking. JB, you there? Yes, sir. You can hear me? Oh, how's everything going? What's going on, y'all? How y'all doing? Good, good. So, uh, Maples and uh, Kings, what y'all think about uh, how the East is playing out so far in terms of, like, the seeding, uh, in terms of, like, uh, Miami and Milwaukee separating themselves? Do you think, like, any of the uh, teams under them can catch them, like, get to the two seed or the one seed? Uh, I mean, I, would, I, 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 I see the Celtics making a push. You know what I'm saying? I'm not sure if they could catch the, the top two, but they're definitely making a push to be in the top three. Um, I think those two are going to be comfortably in, you know, that top that top two seeding. And, uh, but at the end of the day, though, really, like, it's the East, a lot of teams just match up with each other in the East. And I think from, you know, a lot of the first-round series, uh, just going to be tough series, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's going to be hard for somebody to sweep somebody unless, you know, because even in the AC, you got, you know, the Nets probably going to be the AC, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. So it's like, it, it's just hard to find any any sweeps in the East right now, honestly. It's, it's going to be held throughout the whole playoff series in the East. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with Kings there. I, it's, it's all about matchups for me because, like, right now, if Milwaukee plays Brooklyn and Kyrie's allowed to play, you know what I mean? I don't think they really care about being on the road, Kyrie. I think the key thing about Kyrie is, as a guy who has had uh, injury issues, him being completely fresh compared to everybody else is going to play such a big role late in the season. Uh, you can see it like kind of now. He's got fresh legs. Guys have gone through 60, 70 games. He just looks like a step quicker than everybody out there right now. And I think that's like kind of attributing to him going on this crazy scoring bids lately. So that definitely, you know, kind of tips things a little bit towards the Nets' favor. But I'm not sleeping on the Heat, man. A lot of people think the Heat can't score enough, but, man, I just – I'm not going to count out a Spo team, man. I'm just, I'm just not. Tyler Hero going to have to uh, score like a star for them, though. I mean, he's to have a great year, but he's going to have to keep doing it, you know, every single series for them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, anything else, JB? Yeah, I got two more. Um, so – I was wondering because, you know, Jokic, like, he's probably been the best player in the league, but I don't know. It kind of feels weird to give, like, a back-to-back MVP to a six seed, you know what I mean? So I'm wondering what y'all think, like, Giannis or Embiid got to do, like, the rest of the season to sort of, like, you know what I mean, push it over the top for them. Or do you think or do you think Jokic is just is just um, he's just going to – I mean, MVP for me is tough because it feels like every few years – the criteria changes, you know what I mean? So now we're in this thing where they're taking into consideration, you know, Jokic is missing X amount of, you know, help around him, which is fine. You know, that's definitely something to consider, but it seems like the key factor for MVP changes every year. You know, it used to be the best player on the best team and then went to the best guy and the best stats. Then it just went to the best player for a while. And then they got fatigue from Jordan and LeBron. So we just started sprinkling these other, these other variables. So I don't know. But um, right now, 
I told Kings this the other day. If it goes to Embiid or Joker, I'm I'm not complaining either way. Like I'll probably lean Joker at this point, but if it goes to Embiid, I'm not complaining. Like that's how close it is for me. Like those guys are just on a different level right now. Yeah, you know, uh, you also got to look at the fact that you know the Nuggets still have a pretty good record. So I just yep. think in today's NBA, where t- so many teams are all competitive, when you look at Joker and he, the fact that he's lost so many guys and he's still putting up wins close to these teams that have you know better uh, a lot better better health relatively. And then you look at the numbers and his impact. It's like you, you can't really you can't really fault people for wanting to reward him with that MVP. Uh, but you know it, it it's going to be hard because Embiid is hooping and Giannis is hooping. So you know if they kind of make a late end push and they kind of solidify themselves in the win column, it, it's probably going to go to one of those two. But uh, if Joker makes a big run at the end, he can definitely win it. So I, I think it's just whoever finishes strong from those three, uh, record wise and, and performance wise. Yeah, I think if if Joker stays out of the play in, it's his. They're, they're a game and a half over Minnesota right now for hanging on to that playing spot with four, with twelve games left. So if they can hang on to that, hang on to that, I think he'll, he'll get the MVP. But like I said, they give it to Embiid. I'm not complaining at all. Man, he's definitely earned it with his play this season. For sure, for sure. And my last one, I hate that I got to do this, but I got to do this. So the Lakers, right? <laughs> <laughs> the Lakers, right? Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Listen, I get the team is terrible. You know what I'm saying? I get, like, all that, right? LeBron is, like, in my opinion, he's the greatest ba- – I'll say he's the greatest basketball player I've ever seen play in my life. I'm, I'm a little younger than y'all, so you know what I'm saying? But he's the greatest basketball player I've ever seen in my life. But shouldn't he be getting more, like, criticism right now? Because, first of all, he put the, this fucking terrible team together. And second of all, he like, I don't want to say he quit on, on, on the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? Cause he's still like hooping. Well, he's still hooping on offense, but like, he don't even need like crossing half court sometimes. And like, and like, I understand he's mad, bro, but he don't want to put this team together. How mad can you fucking be? Like, am I tripping or like, what, what, what y'all think about that, man? Well, I, I think you can't put the entirety of the, of the front office decisions on him. I, I think, he had a definitely had a say in it, but I don't think you can put all that on him. You know, you got to at some point you got to give Rob and uh, Jeannie a lot of blame for uh, Jeannie for being cheap and Rob for some questionable decisions like uh, the Caruso thing. Like LeBron wanted him back. That's all Jeannie not wanting to cut a check for a championship level role player. Like you can't put that on LeBron. Uh, you keep hearing we keep hearing these conflicting reports about. Uh, Westbrook, who wanted him, who didn't, DeRozan. Um, my thing is, Popovich was not going to deal with the Lakers anyway, in, in my opinion. Like, you've, we've seen this. He traded Kawhi for a, a, some magic beans opposed to a Laker offer, which included, you know, a lot of good players. You know, that that's how Pop feels about the Lakers. So, you know, I, I don't think he was going to deal with them anyway. But uh, you can't put the, the all the GM stuff on LeBron. He may have had a say, but ultimately, that's on Robin Genie on the court. All I can say is he's 37, man. He's not supposed to be carrying the year, <laughs> year 19. That's all I'll say. I feel you. Yeah, I feel 30, you. It's crazy, though. Be, he, this is not what he envisioned at all. They got to get AD to stay on the floor, man. Kings, go ahead, bro. Yeah, you know, on, on the floor, you know, LeBron's always had that uh, passive-aggressive demeanor and those antics <laughs> when, when things go wrong, except back when he was, you know, younger and healthy, he could still carry the team anyway. But obviously, like Maple said, he's older. Uh, he's he's definitely chasing Kareem, so he's gonna prioritize certain aspects of of, of the on the court hoop. 
you know, yep. in this case, scoring. But, uh, you know, in terms of the blame for off the court, yeah, you know, I blame him and, and uh, AD for pushing for Russ. But I'm going to keep it 100. Uh, you know, he did want Dame first. Obviously, Dame said no, and obviously that was a pipe dream. But then they did want DeMar. And I was and I was part of the people in the offseason, you know, even though I kind of thought that DeMar fit was going to be a little bit tough because I didn't know if he was going to be uh, good on his spacing. But I liked his playmaking and the fact that he could shoot the mid-range. So I was like, you know, DeMar would actually make it work because he can actually shoot the mid-range. You know, he's a smart player. He can playmate. Uh, I was one of those who was like, you know, I thought that, hey, don't get hard capped because you, you will hurt yourself from getting better. But if, if, if the if Genie and them was going to be cheap anyway, what was the point of being scared of the hard cap? The hard cap would have helped them out. So now they couldn't overspend. Like, they wouldn't even be tempted to overspend. Because it's like, they, they, they can't they'd have an excuse. They'd have an excuse. They would have had the excuse. So it's like, it's you you, you didn't want to get the mark because the hard cap. And then and then you want to get rest and say, okay, we have a chance to get flexible and get better and spend. But you don't spend anyway. So it's like, bruh, that's just literally, that literally signifies how poor how poorly ran like the Lakers are from top to bottom, bro. It's like you, you knew you didn't want to spend that much money. So instead of you to actually get the better player and give yourself a built-in excuse, you got the worst player and you didn't spend anyway. That was the only <laughs> flexibility Russ gave you and you didn't do it anyway. So it's like, it's just piss poor execution. That's not on Brown. That's the front office. Yeah. And I think the, I think the, the last day, cause you know, me and the Kings both kind of over the Lakers this season, uh, the thing is, I think a lot of people make the mistake of trying to blame the Lakers' issues on one thing, but it's not. They got bad front office work, bad coaching, lackluster effort, and injuries. Like, it's all that contributing to what we've seen on, on the product we've seen out there. So I can't just blame one thing for what we saw. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Liban, what's going on? Am I, am I, am I pronouncing that right? Uh, it's Liban, Liban. Liban, it's all good, though. It's all good, it's all good, it's all good. Um, how you guys doing? How you guys doing? Good, how you uh, I'm good, I'm good. I was going to ask you guys, what do you guys think about, like, like the Giannis fatigue? Like, I've noticed that, especially this year, because, like, like, bro, he's still, like, Giannis is still dominating, like, every night, and it's just, like, you know, ah, like, whatever, you know? It's just Giannis, like he's just doing what he does, and like no one's paying attention to it. And I'm like, I just, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, to me, like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, you just don't understand, like, how he doesn't get tired or what? No, no, I don't understand. He honest, the honest fatigue, like, oh, how like people, people kind of like, you know, what it was. I think in Kings has talked about this a lot. Um, his game is not super aesthetically pleasing. You know what I mean? So, you know, he's gonna get side eyes anywhere for his production. They think it's all power. And he's just seven feet and can run and jump, which is like, which is a cold description because that's, that's like describing JaVale McGee, right? There's obviously some skill involved with right. being seven feet and being able to, to move like that. I just think his game is not aesthetically pleasing, so people nitpick. And I think that leads to, you know, kind of the fatigue. Kings, what about you, bro? I know that's your uh, naive brother, man. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you know, it's it's always gonna be fatigue when a guy puts up those type of numbers the way he does. I mean, you've seen the complaints even with LeBron, and LeBron had the marketing machine. He was also he, LeBron was also an above the rim player, uh, you know, super bouncy, super athletic, making highlight plays, but he still had the fatigue on him when it came to the MVP. So it's like fatigue always gonna hit. Fatigue's always gonna hit certain players, but when you play a certain way too, on top of that, it just adds to the whole. Uh, it has to the old, whole dilemma. So you know what I mean. So it's like for a lot of people, it's like, oh man, we already seen you know Giannis, you know, put these numbers up the same type of way, you know, open system. He's gonna run, get his. I mean, granted, this season he, he's added a lot, a lot of stuff. He's added, you know, his pull up is more smoother. You know what I'm saying? He has he's better at getting to his spots. His dribble and handle is tighter. But it's like, you know, fans don't really care about that, you know what I mean? Because they still see Giannis and his main, you know, game is get up and down, power power hoop, bully ball, yep. get in, you can't stop me. But then they see guys like Joker, you know what I mean? Like, they haven't seen a center pass like that ever, you know what I mean? And they see a guy like MB hitting step backs at that size. It's like, oh, <laughs> right. it's like a new shiny toy, you feel me? So it's like, they look at those two and it's like, yeah, you know, we've seen Giannis. He already won back-to-back MVPs. He won his finals MVP. He won his ring. That's like they see what Joker's doing with the narrative of carrying his team. And they see Embiid moving like that at his size with his skill set on the outside. So it's like it's just one of those things he's suffering right now from, you know, voter fatigue, fan fatigue. But at the end of the day, it's it's going to come down to how people finish, how they finish this run because I – I still think at the end of the day, with his numbers and the way the Bucks are playing, the, the media is still going to give him that respect. So if he finishes strong and the other two kind of flop at the end, he's still going to have a good shot at the MVP. Right. Like in Kings, like, right. If they were to ask you who the best player in the league right now is, you you would go Giannis, right? So I think you know, he has that respect at least. Yeah, right? and a lot of people would go Giannis too. They, you know what I mean? Right. But, but they just don't want to see him get the MVP again. You know, it's, it's just that. <laughs> it's just how that goes. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, let him win another title, and then <laughs> I can't wait for that to happen. Um, but, yeah, my second question was, uh, what do you guys think about Memphis? Like, how do they match up against, you know, obviously Phoenix and Golden State? Like, I'm going to be really interested to see, like, especially in the playoff in, uh, in the playoff setting, how they match up with those two. So so here, my, my thing with Memphis, so the Phoenix has beat them up pretty good the last couple of years. But the one that intrigues me is the Warriors matchup. For some reason, the last couple of years, they have just given the Warriors hell, man. Even this year when the Warriors were hot, uh, they, they ran into some trouble against Phoenix, man. I, I don't know what it is, but they just get a lot of hell from 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 the Grizzlies. I, I'm very interested in seeing that second-round series, if they can make it happen. And um, I, I'm looking forward to that. John Morant versus Steph is always must-see TV. You got Dylan Brooks coming back. You got Desmond Bain, Steven Adams. Jaron Jackson is on the cusp of stardom against the Warriors championship experience. I think that is going to be a war in the second round series, man. Kings, what you got? Yeah, I mean, with Memphis, they got high, you know, they got the high-flying superstar uh, who can, you know, who can make big plays, can get hot takeover games. They got the all-world versatile defender, Jaron Jackson Jr., who can also space the floor. Then they got tough guards who are, who, you know, tough wings who are long, and they got youth athleticism. Then they got the tough, they got a tough big, and Steven Adams is going to do the dirty work. You know what I mean, and, and let and free those guys up to to play to their game. So, man, they really they really bit well. They also love each other. They love playing with each other. So they yeah. got that chemistry factor. They got that mental factor with each other. They don't give up on each other. It's, it's going to be tough to put them away. And they match up well with uh with the with the with the Warriors. You know that's one of the things that we've we've seen with Memphis this season 
is that that youth, you know, that versatility, the length, the toughness, the, uh, it, it bothers Golden State. You know what I mean? So I, I, it's it's going to be fun to see. Um, I ultimately think it's going to come down to uh, Golden State versus Phoenix in the Western Conference Final because I think those two, what they have over the Memphis is that they've been through the wars. You know, Memphis is still a young team. They don't know what it's like to go through a long playoff run. So it's like, you know, Golden State, Phoenix now after last year's run, they've been through the wars. They know what it is to make adjustments. They know what it is to play, you know, a tough series, have to grit out wins. So it's like it, it, that experience, I think, at the in the end of close games in those series is going to is going to show. And, you know, guys like Draymond, guys like Clay, you know, guys like uh, CP3, Aiden Book, uh, Crowder, they're going to execute and they're going to, uh, you know, finish plays off where I think you might see Brooks or Bain or J- or Jaron Jackson Jr. or maybe even Morant here and there make a few blunders because, you know, they're just not used to that environment. Right. Yeah, that's, I think that's all fair. The youth, the youth first, the experience, man. It'll, it'll be fun to see if we can get that, though, man. Yeah, Um. I had one last question. I'm really sorry I have to ask this, but let's, let's just think in the hypo- hy- hypothetical situation. Where the Lakers are a serious franchise, right? Oh, man, y'all um, with these Lakers questions, man. It's good basketball. Y'all gotta do this. Nah, go ahead, man. Uh, let's uh like let's 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 think the if the Lakers are a serious uh franchise, like clearly we've seen what really pisses me off is that you know, Bron still has it. Like Bron really still has it. So like what kind of team like do you want like do you want to see the Lakers surround AD and LeBron with next year? And like, I don't even know if it's possible, but um, shoot, shooting an IQ, man. That's what you got to look for. Shooting an IQ, uh, another point of attack defender. That, that all comes down to, and I think a lot of people are are, are overestimating the the difficulty that it's going to have be to trade Westbrook. And as, as an expiring deal, you can always find a way to get a ball for a team looking to save money. Like uh, I think the Knicks could be possible. OKC could be possible. Atlanta could be possible. Just teams who are just looking to 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 get flexibility, you know, down the road. Uh, I think the Knicks want to have their their books clear for Zion, so I definitely think there is a path to get Westbrook off to the Knicks. You know what I mean? So I definitely think they can move him. Once they do that, it's just a factor of using that space or getting the correct pieces back. And I think that's where the challenge will be for you know uh, Rob Belinka. Man. I'm not even gonna hold you. I, I've been. I, I'm kind of over the the Lakers experience with LeBron, to be quite honest. With you. <laughs> I've been. I've been on the just trade, just trade them all and go rebuild. Because honestly, I mean, the things that they need to do, you you can't trust this front office to front office to do. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, the ideal situation would be to try and, and ship Russ off for expiring uh, role players, right? With um, who are who are useful. And can can play off LeBron and AD, who can do a multiple variety of things like shooting the fan. Obviously, not the best names, but just decent quality starters. And then lean on Bron and AD. But that's even even then that would cost you know first round assets or two. And it's like they've made it clear that I I don't think they want to get off of that. You know what I mean? At least unless it's for like obviously like a star player. Like they've made that clear that mm. they want to move Russ's contract in those first for a star type player. So, um, yeah, man, I. It's like they the 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 chance to build a proper team around those two was last offseason and they completely blew it. And it's just for them, it's like they really have to just restart because the assets are minimal. It's gonna be tough for them to get better this offseason. So 
it, it, they're just stuck, bro. And it's like the type of maneuvering that it would take for them to to finesse something, uh, some quality in the offseason like this, they just don't have it in that front office. Like they, like let's just be honest here, they don't have the uh, talent in the front office to be able to execute what needs to be executed. Well said. Yeah, that's all I had. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys. All, right, all good, man. Lyndon, you there? Yeah, what's up, guys? Lyndon, what's going on? Lyndon, what's- yeah, what's going on? I I have a more a, a question about hoops, but more just about like what exactly are the plans for certain teams? Like, it looks like Ben Simmons is probably not going to play this season because I doubt they just you know throw him into the wolves in the playoffs. Do you think that like recently? a lot of stars have been like comfortable just throwing seasons away. Like I feel like Bradley Beal's about to throw another season away. He didn't want to go into the bubble and like Zion just throwing a season away. Is it like, like a new mentality or something I mean, where people are just like, I'll get another one. What is, what's that about? I think the, you know, these guys are more cognizant of their, their long-term viability. And I think that leads to these decisions, you know, uh, with Ben Simmons, you definitely don't want to mess, you know, with the back injury. That could be like career threatening at, at a certain point. So I don't think he's going to push that. Bradley Bill, I don't know, man. I think he's, you know, holding out for this super max. And once he signs that, you know, he'll maybe play more. But I, I'll say this: so you know how um, Kawhi signed that four-year extension right away, and then he started to, you know, work out more and probably possibly push to try to play today. So I think it just has to do with these guys, you know being in a, in, a, in a long-term deal and secure before they make that type of decision. You know what I mean? And Ben is weird because he just signed an extension. So, you know, I, I think he's probably seriously hurt because he wants to be in Brooklyn. So if he could play, he would play. So I don't think Ben's like throwing away a season. It's just that maybe he didn't condition like he should have, you know, in, in his time off or rehab like he should have. I think he's just kind of paying the price for that right now. Also, second question for, um, for the both of you guys. Are you guys really moved by the Nets? Because I really, I'm, I'm not moved, man. Even when Kyrie scores 60, I'm like, he's playing once a week, guys. Are y'all really moved? Like, I, I think I saw, I forgot the guy's name on Twitter. I think it's like Nate or something. He said that he feels bad for the Miami Heat because they're going to lose to the Nets in the first round. And I don't, I don't think that's going to happen in the slightest. What do you guys think about the Nets' realistic I think King said it best, and I'll give it to him right after this. King said it best. If they change the the mandates and Ben Simmons plays, uh, there's something to deal with. If not, then, you know, not really. <laughs> Go ahead, Kings. Yeah, it's going to come down to can Kyrie play home games, number one. If he can play home games, uh, I think even without Ben Simmons, I think Kyrie and KD, I think that's enough to give uh, Miami some problems. Um I definitely think Miami. I think Miami was pushed at seven. I think that would be a tough seven game series. I, I don't think it's something you can just be like, oh, pencil Brooklyn to win. And I think because Miami always matched up pretty well with them even last year. So I don't think that's something you can just pencil them to win. Although I will say I will pick Brooklyn because it's just you know, Jimmy's just been very inconsistent. Um, I'm not sure if you can trust Hero to kind of win to to score enough to be able to win that series for him. Um, so. You know, I, I would definitely pick Brooklyn in that series. However, I would not be shocked if Miami won that series, nor and I expect that series to be tough. So, um, you know, for me with the Nets is at full strength, they're very scary. Very, very scary. I if 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 Ben Simmons was there, you know, he 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 was in shape and he had some time to build chemistry, I would have probably picked them to come out the East. 
But, you know, them not probably going to have Ben Simmons. And even if he plays, he's probably going to be limited. Uh, it's just it's just going to be hard for me to say that they can really go all the way and or even go to the ECF maybe. Uh, a lot of things have to go in their favor right now, but they are a scary team. You know what I mean? It's definitely a team nobody in the East wants to play early. And, uh, you know, it, it just a lot of things have to go right for that team, but they're, but they're talented. I think that as long as the team has KD and Kyrie with shooters around them and with some size, I think you always have to be mindful of that team. Yeah, I got, and I got to say this, like, even like since James Harden's left, there's been a lot more movement for them offensively. And I think that bodes well, you know, going deeper into the season. So I'll just add that too, as far as, you know, their viability with just KD and Kyrie. I think the other guys are more empowered now without the third star there. So. Okay, got you. And sorry, just one more question. Can we can we now, like, really just stick a fork in the Warriors' dynasty and stop the sentimental talk and be like, it's over? It's over. Uh, or are you still, like, believing in their future? I, I really think it's done. I, do you, like, do we really believe that these injuries are just, like, accidental? It's not wear and tear? You know? Like, no, I mean, the, the, the Draymond is probably wear and tear with his back. I'll give that. But the Steph one tonight, I was just a freak injury, freak, a freak accident. You know what I mean? Guy diving on the ball. But, you know, if Steph's injury isn't serious, you know, they'll be right there in the, in, in the Western Conference Finals, in my opinion, you know, if they can make it through the, the war with Memphis. So I don't think it's, like, cooked. But, you know, I think they still got a window for a championship or two, you know, in the next couple of years. So I'm not going to say it's, it's over, you know. Kings, what do you think? I think, you know, for a team like the Warriors, uh, man, I think and, uh, even – t- I mean, Phoenix is still going to be right there because they're young, but I think for a team like the Warriors especially, this probably like their best window is this season because it's literally so wide open. I think especially with even just within the West next year, you know, you see how Dallas is looking. They're young. They're up and coming. Imagine they get better. And then obviously Joker, you look at what he's doing with these pieces. Now imagine, you know, Murray and uh, MPJ mm. back. You know mm. what I'm saying? That's a problem. And then we not even talk about it. Imagine Kawhi and PG come back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, right. like, come on, man. Like, that. that's a team with PG. They almost went to the finals with just PG. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, if you're the Warriors, man, this is it. Honestly, I mean, obviously you still have a chance, but this is your best chance. Like, this season is your best chance to get that last one. Because next season, the West is going to be hell. And in the East, you know, Brooklyn got three first, as Paul keeps telling me. They got Ben Simmons, who, you know, Paul putting out those whispers. And some people putting out those whispers of the clutch swap because Ben wants to be in L.A. I'm not going to put too much into that. But Brooklyn has a lot of ammo to get better over the offseason. And, you know, if you're the Warriors, it's like, man, so many threats are coming back next season. You got to do it this year. And then obviously Memphis is going to get even older and they got ammo to get better too. So if you're, the, if you're Golden State, man, you got to do it this year. Thank you guys. Just want to say I love the pod. I listen to it every single week, man. I'm a big fan. Appreciate, really appreciate you, man, you, bro. For real. Silent, you there? Uh, yeah, there we go. It was taking a minute for it to pop up for me. Uh, what's up, guys? What's going on? Hey, not much, man. Uh, just wanted to say, you know, real quick, uh, love the pod. Hope y'all keep it up, man. Always good knowledge from y'all. And uh, I got two questions I want to ask. It's nothing that's, like, really current. But my first question is, how do y'all feel about the way that defenses have changed? Like, 
since I first started watching hoops. Uh, I'm only 22, so I've only been watching hoops for real for like probably seven, eight years. At most, I'll give myself 10. Um, but, you know, I know like y'all seen the 2000s and, you know, the late 90s and stuff. How do y'all, how do y'all think defense has changed? And, uh, you know, do y'all prefer the old school style or do y'all prefer the new, you know, this modern era kind of style of defense? Well, I think the first thing, it's adjusted based on the offense, right? Because in, in the early 2000s, you know, a lot of times there were two non-shooting bigs occupying the court. There wasn't a lot of four out, one in, you know, principled offenses, you know, and just the general, you know, skill level wasn't where it was, wasn't where it is today. And then on top of that, the rule changes the last 10 years. They kind of scaled it back this year a little bit, uh, but the rule changes made it so easy or so hard rather to defend in space that that adjusted some things. So defense came more about, came, became more about scheme than one-on-one ability. And I think that's been the biggest change as far as defense from, you know, early 2000s, late 90s to, to right now is more scheme-based than actual, uh, you know, sit down and stop somebody in, in general. So that's been the biggest change for me. Um, I think if they just dial the rules back, like get rid of all these touch fouls, it would be great because these guys are so skilled offensively you got to give the defense a chance. And I think that's, you know, what's been missing over the last 10 years. Like I said, they scaled it back a little bit this year, but in general, man, it's been so hard to defend these last 10 years. So, you know, it, that's, that's the thing for me is the rules more so than the actual, you know, what I prefer, just scale the rules back and give these guys a chance to guard these guys. And we can see, you know, who's really who. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it is, it's the combo, the rules, also the type of the, the philosophy of offense. Yeah. Uh, the rules has allowed offense to be a lot more spaced out. You have to cover a lot more ground on defense. So for guys have to be a lot more mobile. Uh, it used to be that if you were strong and physical, you didn't have to move as much defensively in terms of covering uh, ground. It was more uh, it was more short bursts defensively and using your strength to uh, to impede guys driving to the rim. But with the spacing and the shooting, guys have to you know be more agile. And it's just it's just harder to defend in space too when you have the rules against you where you can't you know use some of your uh, physical advantages to be able to stop guys from getting to the rim. And, you know, these guys are a lot more skilled now, so it's easier for them to break dudes off the off the bounce. Uh, the NBA defense now is a lot more foot speed and uh, feet oriented. You got to be able to stick with your man on your feet and be able to react. Um, but also uh, the schemes have changed too. You've seen a lot more zones, a lot more exotic looks because it's like it's just so hard to guard one-on-one. You got to yep. be able to – you got to be able to, as a team, stay on the string. It's really a lot more team defense oriented. Mm-hmm. That's why you see all the metrics value team defense because team defense, honestly, is very important now. I mean, you still get high. You still need individual defense. That still matters a lot, especially when you get in the playoffs and it slows down. You get that more throwback style where it's like you have to be able to sit on your man, guard chest to chest. That's why the Jazz always flop every single playoffs because their dudes just can't guard chest to chest. And Rudy Gobert can't cover up all your mistakes when they're shooting <laughs> him out the paint every single playoffs but in the regular season when it's up and down yeah he can because it's like you know you funnel him in he he he, def- he defends uh blocks the uh layups so now it's like a, just a three-point contest and like an open gym run but that so that's like the thing with defenses now it's like it's a lot more value towards uh funneling guys to rim protectors and playing on a string as opposed to that man-to-man style where you really mainly see that when you get to the uh to the offs and, uh, you know, I, I think, too, as well, um, some of these coaches, I think, though, be, when you have to be able to balance out 
trying to win in the regular season, trying to win in the playoffs, because you get you just get in trouble when you do too much funneling into bigs and you do too much trying to uh, play into the, uh, you know, using rim protectors to, to take away the layups as opposed to trying to force tough shots. Like you look at a team like the Celtics, for example, that's a team that's a team that's built for the playoffs defensively because yeah. they have guys who can sit on their man. They got uh, bigs who are able to come outside, be able to protect the rim. All those guys swarm and swarm the boards. All those guys know how to help. All those guys know how to recover. Um, they really just play every aspect of defense at a high level. So it, it, in today's game, you really have to play. If you want to be an elite defense, you got to be good at multiple aspects of defense, whereas you could be a, a defensive specialist uh, a, a more often in the, in the past era because it was more slow. All right, man. Yo, I appreciate the really detailed answer. Um, that's something that I've definitely noticed myself. Like as I've looked at more Gobert film, and as I've gone and watched, like, like when I watched AD's playoffs in 2020, that's something I noticed. Like, I feel like as uh, the times are changing again, uh, and bigs are coming back into the into the fold, now we starting to see like that value for rim protection kind of kind of come back up. I don't know if it ever really went away, but feel like for a while people were putting a lot more uh, emphasis on, you know, wing defense, uh, just perimeter de- defense in general. But, you know, that, that rim protection is still elite. Um, last question. Uh, I wanted to ask you real quick, just another historical question. Uh, I ain't trying to call y'all old, by the way. Uh, but um, who would y'all take in a seven-game series over pretty much, you know, any other team in history? That's a good one. I'm gonna be biased and say the old one Lakers, man. <laughs> Damn, you said in history. Uh, that's a tough one, boy. I, 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 Go ahead, Key. I know you want to say 2016 Cavs. Go ahead, man. <laughs> if, I, if anything, I'll probably, I'll probably go, uh, I'll probably go 2012, uh, 2012 Heat. If anything, uh, that'll probably be my biased pick for a team I take. I just like how they match up with everybody, and Wade was still still had a lot of juice left. It wasn't; it was before you know the knee drain started to really get to him. And obviously, the the Warriors when they had KD are in the conversation. Like that I, objectively, that would be my pick, but code. you know, I can't. I can't. Yeah, right. Unfortunately, <laughs> right. That was that team was just a a, a, a cheat code. So yeah, the, the, there, there's our answer, bro. All right, yo, I really appreciate it, boys. Have a good night, man. Jalen, what's going on, man? Y'all can hear me? Yeah, what's going on, bro? What's happening with y'all, man? What's good? Let me see. What was my my first question is, what do the Warriors do with Wiggins? Looking at their tax bill, and I'm not as tapped in as to the Warriors as I am with a, a few other teams. I, I would, my guess is probably Wiggins and Wiseman get moved in, in a package deal because they got to pay pool. So I think they get those two guys off the books for like a pick or something down the road. That's my guess. Cause I don't think they're going to just pool's going to command about 20, 20 mil per, and they're not going to add that to their, to their already massive tax bill. In my opinion. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I think moving Wiseman and moving uh, Wiggins, they go for Wiggins, they go and Wiseman, they're going to probably try and get like, you know, a cheaper starting wing, yep. uh, starting power wing, maybe a that young type. And uh, you know, then also uh, probably maybe maybe draft compensation second round, but I don't think they'll be as concerned about second uh, uh, draft compensation. It's more of just getting a, a decent wing that they could play 
and then freeing up cap to sign pool. I think that would be their two main points because one, uh, you know, at this point, I don't think they see a much of a value for Wiseman. I think they'd much more rather go to the find a big in the open market that's cheap that could fill that five role in spurts. And uh, I, 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 again, I think you know Wiggins is great two way wing, but his contract just doesn't yep. warrant the consistency <laughs> he gives. So I just think they'll be fine just finding a, um, you know, just more finding more of a uh, three and D defender. It, you know, it doesn't have to be as heavy on the three, but just finding a wing who can guard and. Get a uh, spell clay from having to guard big wings. I think that'll just be their priority. Right. So, Kings, what do you think? I, I think they're all in on Moody and Kaminga because they're cost cost uh, cost friendly at this point. So, what do you think about them moving Wiggins and, and Wiseman for that center? You know what I mean? That's what I think will happen. Oh, go ahead, Jalen. That's what I want. Yeah, I said no. That's what I want to happen. So they go all in on uh, Kaminga and Moody. That's what I think I- will happen. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could for sure see that. I mean, I, I mean, like for me, it's like you just get that wing to get that vet presence. You know what I mean? Get that depth. You know what I'm saying? Like, just had to have on the bench so that you know, if those, if the lights get too bright for the youngins, you can throw the vet in there. He could just fill his role. You know what I'm saying? So you always just want that vet wing because you never know what young, you know, teenagers and young, super young twenty year olds gonna give you. But uh, I absolutely think they're all in. I mean, you saw today the Kerr trusted those two early against a team like Boston who's been hot. So I just think that, you know, they understand the talent they have with those two and they're thinking smart. It's like, hey, let's get them up to speed as quick as possible. Um, I think I think their their ability to compete next season is going to be rely heavily on those two. Uh this season is going to be a lot more on the on the three core to be able to take them home. But I think for them to be able to, you know, to overcome the type of talent you're going to see in the West next year, and 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 the revamp uh, Nets that that I'll probably pick to come out the East, you do probably you probably need uh, Moody and Kaminga to really pop next season and be right, high impact right, players. Okay, I got one more question. It is y'all can both answer, but it is really for Kings because this is squad. What do the T Wolves need to get to that next level? Because I feel like they got a PG, they got. Two two young stars. I don't really know who's the number one out of them two. You know, they got Pat Bev. He brought another dynamic. You got Vanderbilt. But what else do they need? Experience. Yeah. We're going to get the experience. You don't, you don't think they need another player, though? No, I'm going to let Kings go. I'm going to let Kings King squad. Kings take it, baby. Yeah, yeah. So I've always said, you know, I, I know we got a PG, quote unquote, but I really think we do need a better facilitator than Dilo, unless Dilo really just keeps taking. Uh, leaps because Delo's always had playmaking chops and he's always had the ability to pass and be a cerebral playmaker. He's just uh, just committing to that role, but he seems to be buying into it, you know. So I mean, if he's gonna keep taking leaps, I, I guess I won't be as heavy on that. But I've always told Maples, man, Cat is not a rim protecting big. The best thing you can you can hope with Cat is like the jokish thing, deflections and positioning. Uh, we need a power wing badly. Uh, we're gonna need a power wing. We need that. Um, Ben Simmons, Jeremy Grant, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jermichael Green type of archetype, uh, 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 or Thad Young, a dude who can play the four, but is versatile enough to guard some fives and is going to re- be a rim-protecting uh, off-ball threat. We need that, and then we also need a true wing defender, a, th- a true perimeter wing defender. Uh, I think that's going to be – because for us to have the starting lineup of D'Lo, Ant, Cat, we also need the power wing, and then we need the true ring defender. I think if we can get those two 
and then everybody else develop, I think, okay, we can really do something uh, potentially special. But uh, yeah, so that's the two I'm looking, that's the two positions and the archetypes I'm looking for them to fill in. For, for sure, for sure. I'm out of here, man. I just had to tap in with y'all. I seen y'all on this other platform. I see what y'all did, by the way. Not doing it on Twitter because it get janky over there. This is more, <laughs> it's more chill over here. Yes, yeah, trust me. It's a method to the matters, man. Appreciate you, Jalen. Yes, sir. Right. Steven, what's going on? You're the last one, man. I, I know you've been waiting your turn, man. My, my fault. What's good, brother? It's all good, man. What's going on with y'all? Um, holler at y'all from the bayou, man. When y'all talk about the West going to be a problem, man, why y'all ain't speaking about that other team in the Southwest? <laughs> Wait. All right, so look. <laughs> you, uh, you know, to put down the, you know, the, cra- the crayfish and all that, you know, get on the court. You feel me? <laughs> so look. Steve, I'm going to just say this. If they can get all three of those boys on the floor, man, and keep them on the floor for 65-plus games, I will say that they'll be a solid playoff team, which means they'll avoid the play-in. But I just think you got – so this is the West next year. You got the Warriors coming back to whatever they're doing. Phoenix is going to be here for a while. Uh, Clippers are getting, you know, PG and Kawhi back. Nuggets getting Porter and MPJ back. I mean, Porter and uh, Murray back. also, you got the Lakers, you know, as long as AD and Brian going to be there, they're going to have a chance to do something. We got the, the, the GM just can't get an F minus in the offseason, right? So that's five teams right there, plus Dallas. That's already six. But if you got CJ, BI, and Zion for 65-plus games, I'll say that they'll avoid the play-in. Like, that's the biggest seal I can give them right now because and it's not a shot at the Pelicans. It's just how deep the West is, if that makes sense. Oh, oh yeah, man. I just want y'all to uh talk about it, man. We don't get too much love nationally too much sure. uh, if it ain't I, negative. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Hey, I'll show y'all love. You see Damon just put in the chat, Jason Mapels. Oh, I see that. I'll show y'all love, man. B.I. over there. I'll show y'all love. Thank you, man. I appreciate y'all. Keep doing y'all thing. Um, I know I, 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 I stay following both of y'all on Twitter. And I follow y'all uh, podcast all the time. Uh, man, appreciate Appreciate you. the love, bro, for real. All right, you guys, that's going to wrap it up. We went a little longer. We appreciate y'all. Uh, that's just the love that we got from y'all. We only want to go like 30 minutes. We ended up going longer because y'all showed us a lot of love, a lot of interaction. Um, we got a new episode coming to y'all uh, next Monday. This one will be up tomorrow. And then we'll see you guys again live next Wednesday, man. Y'all be safe. <laughs>